our first scripture The first scripture this morning is coming from Luke, chapter 4, verses 14 Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. He unrolled it. He found the place where it, it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me. To preach the news to the poor, he, was sent, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recover of sight for the blind to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The second scripture is from Nehemiah, chapter 4, chapter... 8 verses 1 through 3, verses 5 through 6, and verses 8 through 10. When the seventh month came and the Israelites were settled in their towns, all the people assembled in one on one man in the square before the water gate. He told Ezra the scribe, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for, for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Israel the priest brought the law before the assembly, and he made up of, which was made up of men and women, and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon, as he faced the square before the water gate, in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Israel opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. They read from the... They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. When Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest, and scribe, and the Levites, who were instructing the people, said to them all, This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the word of the law. Nehemiah said, O God, enjoy choice food and praise drinks. Send some to those who have not been preparing. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The word of our Lord. 
there are companies that buy the data that shows how quickly our cell phones move from one reception tower to the next. From this, they can determine how fast our cell phones and therefore how fast we are moving. They collect and average this data together and then they resell the information to various agencies, such as the Department of Transportation, which then can post a sign saying how long it will take you to get to the airport, or to Google so that Google can reroute you around traffic delays and help you get to your destination. Facebook has taken a similar approach to provide what they call a disaster map. By measuring usage data, Facebook can tell how people are responding to natural disasters. They can measure the change in population density after a disaster. From this, they are able to tell first responders what areas people are leaving and what roads they are using to leave by. The emergency crews can then start to determine which roads are or are not open. Some data also provides clusters marking where people are checking in to say that they are safe. Overall, responders can pinpoint the areas most in need of assistance and how to get the assistance to those people. The people that ne Nehemiah and Ezra gathered together knew about disasters. Israel had been taken into captivity, Jerusalem destroyed. They wondered if God had forgotten them. Since their return, there had been strife and mayhem, political and religious conflict, divisive competing ideas as to what they should do, struggles over how to recover from the disasters that they had suffered. If Facebook could have created a disaster map on this certain day from Nehemiah, it would have shown that all the people were still in need of help. Men and women and all who could understand, all the people were moving to one location, the Watergate in Jerusalem. The square at the Watergate was large enough for them all to gather together, but more importantly, it was outside of the restored temple. Thus, all people, those who were considered ceremonially, or ceremonially clean and those who were considered unclean for whatever reason, and those who were unclean would not be allowed into the temple grounds, they could all, all gather together and hear the word of God. What proceeds is perhaps the first description of collective worship. It starts with all being present. Perhaps in our terms, the entire body of Christ gathered together Worship 
is not a solitary action. But do we gather all together? We don't use terms like clean or unclean, but do we gather those who are like and those who are unlike us? Those struggling to find the presence of God as well as those who do sense God's loving presence. The law, the word of God was present and was read. Ezra did not first talk about God. Rather, by reading the law, Ezra was reflecting God's own words and hence God's presence among them. Now, we may have many views about the law. One view is that it helps to restrain evil by ensuring that evil is addressed and punished. Another view is that its purpose is to convict us of our sins, lead us to repentance. Calvin adds a third to the list. The law aids in our understanding of God's will for all of creation. As we look back to the law, as Jesus came to fulfill the law, not abolish it, all three of these are important. As it reflects the will of God, Jesus distilled the essence of God's will. Love God and love neighbor. Even though Ezra stood above the people just as Moses had stood when he had first read the law to his people, times had changed. Yes, both Moses and Ezra were addressing people who had come out of captivity, but those people had changed. Moses read the law to those who were hearing it for the very first time. Now the people were rehearing it after their disobedience had led them into captivity. Because of these changes, the law needed to be interpreted and explained. Ezra needed to explain how it applied to the current situation. After hearing the word read, and explained, the people were transformed. They wept. Why? We really don't know. Perhaps they shed tears of regret, regret that the law had been lost for so long while they were in exile. Perhaps they cried as they understood how far their life fell short compared to the law. I like to believe that they cried with joy. Joy that the law represented God's abiding presence with them, that God still cared about them. And then they celebrated. They ate the richest fat and drank the finest wine. Moreover, they shared what they had with those who had none. 
if our worship ever approaches the worship of that day, if our worship moves everyone to tears, then I might recommend that we replace our coffee cart with fine wine. <laughs> but seriously, seriously, it's not so serious. Worship is not to be some sad and depressing experience. It is a cause to celebrate. The disaster map might not have reflected this, but Ezra showed how God, as a first responder, met the people in the midst of their disaster, providing all that they needed. And the people realized that they were safe. Jesus did not have a disaster map. However, he defined very clearly what he considered to be a disaster. As he selected the scroll of Isaiah and opened it to read those words gathered to the people in the synagogue, he started with the quote, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Jesus invoked the presence of God in the word of God. Luke's account stresses the presence of the Holy Spirit as this continues from the previous two topics, which included the Spirit descending upon Jesus as he came up out of the waters of baptism and prayed, and as the Spirit led him out into the wilderness for his encounter with the devil. The Spirit of God is critical for effective ministry. Jesus continued reading with, to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Today, we must confront the absolute lack of qualifiers. There is no differentiation between those who were poor due to different forms of personal or collective disasters due to a drought or a greedy landlord, or those who were poor because of their own bad judgment. Jesus came for all of them. As Jesus provided an interpretation of this passage from Isaiah, he brought it forward in time with the incredible statement, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. We gather together to hear God's word. Sometimes the hardest part is to have the courage to hear the word, even as it totally upends our world. What would the economic impact 
be if our entire culture decided to bring good news to the poor, to free them from poverty and all these long-term consequences. What would happen if all the undocumented captives were set free? Who are the oppressed today? And from what are we to free them? In my opinion, it is all too easy to water down this passage. Just as Israel defined and redefined neighbor to mean only those living close by or perhaps only those who were close kin, we could be tempted to redefine which poor we should help. But Jesus exploded the restrictive use of neighbor so that when we are called to love God and love our neighbor, that it clearly includes those who are not like us. The story of the Good Samaritan, one who chose to worship a different God, is the very one who loved an unknown stranger in need, just as we should love. We can define captives and oppressed to only refer to those who are being held due to faith, due to the faith that they share with us. But again, God has been repeatedly telling Israel that they are to care for those who specifically were not like them, the alien and strangers in their midst, those oppressed by religious, political, and economic means because, only because, they were not part of the tribes of Israel. If Jesus selected this passage from Isaiah as the mission statement for his ministry, as a literal statement of his ministry to come, and if we proclaim that we desire to share the ministry of Christ, then this is exactly what we should be doing. As we look at the ministry of Jesus, as we skip from the healing to healing, as we include the Beatitudes, as we see who Jesus fed, healed, and set free, we are challenged to look at our own ministry even when it requires us to reevaluate who around us are in the midst of a disaster and what can we provide as assistance. Jesus went on to declare the year of the Lord. This is the year in which debts were forgiven, land returned to its original owners, slaves were set free. It was a time to draw near to God, a time of celebration. Interestingly, Jesus did not read the next phrase from Isaiah, which is to proclaim the day of vengeance of our God. 
a day of judgment. But John 3.17 so eloquently states, For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. If we were to create our own disaster map marking all the poor, the captives, the oppressed, where would they be located in our community? Some might be here worshiping among us. Many might not feel welcome, may not feel comfortable here. We are challenged by Nehemiah to gather all together to hear the word of God. We are challenged by Nehemiah to let the word of God transform us. We are challenged by Jesus to transform his words into our actions as we minister in his name. We are challenged by the Holy Spirit of God to be the responders who proclaim the year of the Lord. If God chose to track our cell phones, would the data show us as speeding to provide disaster assistance to those who need it most? Would people be led to salvation by our ministry in the name of Jesus? Would the data show that all people were able to celebrate the transforming power of God because they could see how we have been transformed? It is always timely to reevaluate our plans for disaster assistance. The assistance we offer in the name of God to the poor, the captive, the blind, the oppressed, always celebrating the liberating power of the year of the Lord and the loving presence of God among us. <laughs>